you would, to the book of Luke. We've been looking at some things Sunday after Sunday for now uh, several weeks concerning favor, God's favor. And uh, the reason being, the best that I can discern, is because we're want, God's wanting us to not miss 1997, the greatest year that's ever been. He's not wanting us to miss the move of the Spirit for 1997 for the church. The church. The church. Y'all, God's interested in the church. More than you're interested in your children, more than you love your wife, more than you adore your husband, God's got His heart on the church. Don't ever believe anything that preachers or teachers or, or just uh, opinionated people say concerning God and the church that's anything less than wonderful. God's not getting, going to judge the church. God's not uh, mad at the church. God's not even disappointed in the church. Hallelujah. It's the bride. It's the one that He sent Jesus for, and He's invested everything in the church. And He's getting ready to make us look even better than we have. And we're in our finest hour right now, but where we are is not as good as where we're going. Praise God. So I want to encourage you to hook up with the church of the Lord Jesus. Hook up with what God's doing. Don't say, Lord, I'm going to go over here and do my deal. We're asking you to bless it. No, find out what God's blessing and then get in the middle of it. Amen. Could I have a better amen? amen? Hallelujah. And so God's been doing things over the ages, getting us ready for this hour. If you look at just your generation, if you look at just your decade, if you look at just last year, you might miss the picture. You might say, well, here's what God's doing. And if you have a limited scope, you'd say, well, this is what He's doing. And, and, and you would, you'd miss the big picture. But God's on a, He's on a long haul. And He's, uh, He's preparing us. Even in our parents and our grandparents and even before the turn of the century, He began to implement things that would get us ready for this hour that we're in right now. Y'all, this is the best there is. There's the best, this is the best it's ever been and it's getting goodier and goodier, as one of my pastor friends says. It's getting better all the time. Look in Luke chapter 4. Let's look in verse 14. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee and there went out a fame of Him, went out a fame of Him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. He had a fame as a teacher. And he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he'd opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And this is in Isaiah 61. We looked at it a couple weeks ago. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Say, upon me. Amen. So he had just been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Uh, uh, by uh, uh, in conjunction with John the Baptist, and the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. Now, this had never happened before. No one had ever had the Spirit upon them, but Jesus did, and it changed him. It enabled him. It, it opened up doors that had not been opened. It'll happen to you today, amen? When, when the Spirit comes upon you, you, we all, if we're born again, we have the Spirit within. But when the Spirit comes upon, things begin to change. And He hath anointed me. Yes, He had. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the, heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, if you go back to Isaiah chapter 61, you'll see that there's more in that, uh, that, um, that 
area that he was talking about, but Jesus was bringing us into a new arena. He was bringing the church forward, and he didn't talk about judgment like Isaiah went on to talk about. He didn't talk about the things that were going to happen in that particular time that Isaiah lived in. Jesus stopped there and he said, this is what the Lord has for us now. He was asking these people to jump or to move into a new arena, a new, uh, uh, a new dispensation of life. Well, how many of y'all know the hardest thing for people to do is to change? People don't like change. They're again it. <laughs> They're again that change. They don't want to change because after all, it's been working a long time, so why fix it unless it's broke? The only thing is, is if you've only known something that's been broke since you've known it, you may not know how broke it is. It may be broken. You think that's what works, you know? If, if an old Model T was good enough, well, you know, why, why go out and buy one of those newfangled cars? Hallelujah. Well, just because you had never seen one. But once you see one, you won't go back. Have y'all, uh, uh, you know, once you, once you go into a nice store and try on something that you've never tried on before, it, it does something to you. Could I have a better amen than that? Yeah, it does. If you're believing God for something, you gotta go try it on. You gotta go drive it. You gotta go, you gotta go put your hand on it. Amen. It'll stir you up inside. Well, Jesus was offering them. He was telling them there's something new coming. And there was, wasn't there? Things were about to change. Well, things have been changing ever since. Ever since that day to now, things have been changing. And you couldn't do what you did in, 19, in, in the early 1900s. You couldn't do that now and, and function and flow. It takes, it takes everything that happened from 1900 to right now, 1997, enable, to enable us to flow and function in what God's got right now. That's right. It's progressive. You don't give a six-year-old a shotgun and say, listen, Daddy gave this to me when I was 50, but, but you know, I, I know how to run it, so, so here, why don't you just go out there and take a shot with this? No, there's some things that have got to be in place before that boy can have that shotgun. At our house, it'll be about 40 years, I think. <laughs> Amen. All right. Motorcycles and all that sort of thing. You know, you, you rode them when you were 12. You went over the hill when you were 12, but your kids, you know, they got to be 20-something. That's, that's the way it works. Dear Lord, how we go back. Jesus was talking to these people and He was asking them to go forward with Him. He was asking them to come out of the old and into the new. And, and, and they, they wanted to. They knew that it could be better, but they, dis, they didn't like the way that it was presented. They, they wanted some smoke. They wanted some thunder. They wanted God to come down off of a mountain and, and, and do some things and thus saith God. They wanted a booming voice. They wanted, they wanted miracles and flows like that. Instead, Jesus got up and did what He'd always been doing. He got up and said what he'd always been saying. And then he went over there and he said in verse 21, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Well, that shut everything down because it didn't come with vapor of smoke and it didn't come with lightnings and, and God didn't come with great demonstrations and he didn't strike down, the, he didn't smite the sinner man. You know, that's the best thing we'd like as the church is if God would get real and he'd start getting after sin. We, we'd know it was God if, if AIDS, people with AIDS, if they started just dropping and, and there was a sign on their back that says, from God. Y'all would like it if the murderers just started, you know, getting some, uh, a green of vapor was to come into death row and, 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 and all the, the guys on death row that had murdered and raped and, and all those things and they were that. We'd say, God, this is good. We like that kind of demonstration. We like that kind of vengeance. We like that kind of retribution. Assuming, of course, that we're not in it. Assuming, of course, that it's not us that God's judging at that hour. But see, God's not into that. That's not, we're, in a, we're in a new dispensation. God's not out there. He's not mad at anybody. 
I, I know we get mad at people. I, I know you're tired of your neighbor throwing his beer cans over in your yard, but God's not mad at your neighbor. Well, turn with me to Romans. We'll just go right there now and see what happens. Romans chapter uh, 2. I love this scripture. I didn't know how much I loved it till the other day until Tim said, you know that scripture that you're always talking about. <laughs> and I realized, well, maybe I do. But you know, we got to get this straight or we're not going to be straight. Uh, Paul's talking to the church at Rome and he said in verse 4, he said, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness. Talking about Father. Despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering. Isn't God good? Hadn't he been so good to you? When you deserve to get knocked down, thrown out, when you deserve to be get left, you, you didn't deserve a second chance. I didn't deserve a check, a second chance. His goodness, his forbearance, his long suffering just went another mile. Just, just took, just turned the other cheek. Just offered his cloak when you said, I want the coat. God just went another way when there was no other way. And Paul said, you know, it's real easy to get the grace of God and get the goodness of God on your life and then go out and want to judge others because they're, they're, they're not doing what you've learned to do. But God's not that way. I'm so glad God's not that way. Hallelujah. And then he goes on, he says, And knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. God's not whacking anybody. He's not putting sickness on anybody. He's not killing anybody's babies for his rose garden. He doesn't need your children. He doesn't need your granddaddy. He doesn't need any of these people in heaven. And, and, and it's just a lie. It's the goodness of God that leads men to the things of God. God's good. We'd write them off. We'd X them off. We would, we, we, we would say, that's enough. You've crossed the line. There's no more grace for you. There's no more room for you. There's just so much God can take here. When we're actually saying, there's just so much I can take here. And we, we write people off, but God doesn't write people off. Now, there is a judgment, and after this whole thing shuts down and the church is taken out of here, there's going to be plenty to talk about. It'll be over then, and the chips will fall then. But right now, in this age and this hour, it's good. It's just pure good. It's just good all the time. And you know, I know people didn't change back then. They're not changing now. So we want to intimidate them a little bit. We want to threaten them a little bit. We want to tell them God's going to get you. You know, and, and so even when people, we joke about it. It's this thing about when, you know, if someone tells a lie or exaggerates, you know, we step over like there's an imaginary lightning bolt going to come down on them and, and zap them up. And you know, that, that's funny, but it's just not true. The devil's out there with all he's going to do. And if you give him room and you open a door into your life, the devil's going to step in and he's going to say, look what God did to you. That's right. He's going to lie about it, of course, but it's not God. It's the goodness of God. That word goodness, I knew y'all would want me to look it up, so I did. Uh, that word goodness means graciousness or kindness. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. When you say no to God, God just comes back with a better deal. He just sweetens the pot. He just comes at it from a different angle. He just keeps on pursuing you like a spurned lover. He just keeps on. You reject Him. I reject Him. We say no. We say maybe later. We say maybe someday. And God just keep, keeps coming back with a different deal. Boy, God's good. That's what makes Him God. Hallelujah. The goodness of God leads men to repentance. You know, nobody, nobody stayed saved because of a damnation, a hellfire and brimstone sermon. It affected them that day. They felt terrible about their future. They, they, but you know, those, those feelings, those feelings of fear, they wane. That's right. They wane. 
You, 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 can, you, can, you can fill up the altars talking about how, how hell's going to get you if you don't change. You'll fill up the altars. But I'm telling you what, they'll all go back. They'll go, all go back. It, it won't, it won't, it's not genuine. It won't transform because love, it's got to be from love's perspective. Amen. Well, hallelujah. I'm over here and I don't know where I am, but I'm, I'm getting there. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 4, go back there. I wasn't through there. You're supposed to keep a finger there. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus talks about the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord. He said, today the acceptable, of the year, acceptable year of the Lord has, has begun. Well, He was talking about the Jubilee, wasn't He? He was talking about that thing that every Jew understood, that every 50th year, that, that it was the year of release. It was the year of debt cancellation. It was the year of, of uh, getting unstuck. And Jesus said, we don't have to wait till the 50th year. We don't even have to wait till the Sabbath. He said, today, today there's a new, a new move of God. God's enabled. He's enabled to come in and make a jubilee every single day. You can get unstuck every single day. You can get out of debt every single day. You can get back what God wants you to have every single day. You don't have to wait. You don't have to have a span of time where you're under a bondage, where you're under the, the curse of the law. You don't have to. Jesus said you can go back today and get what God has for you. Aren't you glad? I'm telling you, it's good. That, that, uh, in the message it says this is, your, this is God's year to act. 1997 is God's year to act. Now you understand we're not saying that God hadn't, wasn't able to do anything in 96 because every year from Jesus to now has been the same. But there's been a building. There's been a foundation that's been put into the church over all these years and that, that enabled us. Uh, well, actually, until that was laid, we weren't able to get God, all God had for us. This Bible's got to, it's got to work for everybody, for every age, for, for, for everything. And so God's put the provision He had for all peoples, for all ages in there, but, but it's incremental. The application, it increases as we go with time. Until the, until the 40s and 50s, healing was not a real, was not a real uh, issue. There was individuals that could, that could access healing because healing was available, but God, God had to come in and make an emphasis, didn't He? Didn't He? And he did. And I tell you, for 11 years there, you think there's just never going to be another sick day. I mean, it's just healing was on TV. It was, it was in crusades. And, and basically, if you could get into one of those meetings, you, could, you, you just got healed. And not just healed by, by the weekend. I'm not talking about healed for a little while. You would generally keep your healing forever. It was a supernatural move of God. And it was awesome. But then God moved on because it's progressive. Revelation is progressive. You get something so you can get something else. Sometimes we stop. We get something so good, we stop and say, this is it. You get born again, you say, this is it. Lots of people, lots of Christians get born again and they say, this is it. Well, that's just the beginning. That's not the end of anything. That's just the beginning. Or they may get the Holy Ghost, get filled with the Holy Ghost and say, well, this is it. And they don't speak in tongues again. They just go on with their life, you know, just, I got it. It was back there in, you know, 68. We got it. And, and that's just the beginning. Amen. Or, or you get prosperous. You get your bills paid one time. Say, well, this is it. It's so good. You just park there. Well, there's more. God's year of release has come on the church. And there's a, there's a timetable. I, I wish we could just see that timetable. Wouldn't you all like to see God's timetable? Wouldn't you like to see the ticks on the clock? That God's got every second marked. He's got every second, got its own cubicle, got its own room, got its own place. It's not like we run them by in, in, in weeks, months, and years. God's got every second until Jesus comes marked and measured and, 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 and set apart. Isn't that awesome? 
You know, we don't think about seconds, but God does. Hallelujah. And He's got those marked. And uh, he's, got a, he's got a timetable, and He's moving us through a timetable. Your life is, is on a timetable. You may not follow it. You don't have to. You can do your own thing. You can buck up and rebel. You can go your own way. But God wants you to follow His plan because it'll be so good for you. Amen. It'll be so good for you. Y'all ever been in the perfect will of God? Isn't it better than the other? <laughs> I, I've been in that my will of God, and I've been in God's will. God's will's better. Things just flow. Things go. Well, 1997. It's this year of release. It's this year of getting unstuck. It's this year of debt cancellation. And you know, I understand here it is November. It's, it's middle November. Well, I, I, matter of fact, it's, it's one tick past the middle of November. And you may say, well, it'll happen next year. Next year will be a great year. I learned some things in 97 and, and 98 will be a good year. I, you know, no. The Lord's having me hammer this, y'all, and I'm telling you why. He wants to do it in 97. Amen. He really does. I know you and I are thinking it's just six weeks away till the end of the year, but God wants to bring some things in with a splash. I'm expecting. I've got, I, I'm out there. I mean, I'm looking at every day. You know, there's just 45 or so days between here and the end of the year, and there's some things happening. I got out my 97 goals the other day, and I'm just, choo, choo, choo. God, I didn't even realize I put this down. Choo. God, I didn't even know I put this in. Done. Finished. Completed. God's been faithful. I said God's been faithful. And He's not, He's not tired. He's not weary. He's not wore out. He's going to go the distance, y'all. He's going to make it to the end. And He's going to, if it hadn't happened till now, it's going to happen by then. And it'll just be more and more and more. This is God's year of getting unstuck. Say this with me. This is my year. To get, to get unstuck. Something good, Something good is going to happen, going to happen. Today. today. See, every, year, every day between now and the end of the year, which would be about 45 days or so, 47, I don't know, uh, there's something incremental that's going to happen because, you see, you've been where God wanted you to be to prepare you so you could have what God wants you to have. The decisions you made made choices available that you haven't even had yet. You've got things that are going to be available to you in the future because you made the right choices in the past. Now, we did miss it occasionally. You all know what I'm talking about. We didn't make every choice, and it was, it was harder to get back around to the right place than it would have been if we just followed the things of God. But nevertheless, we've made it back. I've made it back. Amen? Okay. Uh, in, the, in the NEB, that, which would be the New English version, it says this is the year of God's favor. Say favor. See, favor is the same word as grace. God's got this year of favor. And uh, there's something happening. Uh, turn with me to, to um, Acts chapter 4. Now, I'm going to show you some things today. And then we're going to make a declaration. If, if we can make it by the end of the service, we're going to make a declaration. We're going to receive some things for the next 45 or 6 days that you're going to see God's hand move on your life in, a, in an awesome way. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Going to be some awesome things happening. Now, it won't be just because Tim and Chuck and I say amen, and we get up and stand up and say yes. It's not going to happen to you just because we said yes, and yeah, I was sitting three chairs from him, so I know it's going to happen to me. You're going to have to get in the boat, honey. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to hook up. Thomas didn't hook up, and it, you know, he, he said, Lord, I believe when the Lord came in and, and showed him all the things he said he couldn't believe. You know, it'd be better to, to, to believe up front than to say, mm-hmm, I believed. 
after it's already over. In, in um, Acts chapter 4, look in verse 33. Yeah, I like this. This is in Acts chapter 4. Things were hopping back then. You know, they just switched over. The church had just started and it says, and with great power. You know, it could have been power and it would have been God's power and that would have been, that would have been significant. But it says, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. How many of y'all know something was happening back there when, when the apostles had great power? It wasn't just eloquent preaching. Yes, Brother John, that was an excellent sermon. We appreciate that. That was, that was very thoughtful of you to minister that word to us. Amen. No, it was with great power. There was demonstrations. There was signs and wonders. There was things happening that when, when Luke came to write it down, he said, it was with great power the resurrection was affirmed. Great power. We knew Jesus had left us a deposit. We knew Him going and sending the Holy Ghost to us had made a great difference because there was great power. And then it goes on and says, great power and great grace was upon them all. Say great grace. See, grace will get you over there. Grace will take you wherever you need to go. Grace will move you where you, from where you are to where God wants you. It's not by works of righteousness which you've done. It's not according to what you do or don't do. God's not moved by that. He's not moved by your works. Now, we're not shunning works because we know once we get born again and the heart of God gets inside of us, the love of God constrains us to respond. We've been shown love, great love, and so we respond and say, Lord, I love you. What can I do for you? How can I, how can I measure my life back to you? I'm bought with a price. I'm not my own. I want to love you, Lord. How do I love you? And works is one way we respond. But it's not how you get saved. You can't get saved by works. You can't get, you can't get into the kingdom by works, but it is a response to love. And so there's grace there. But the Bible says here, I don't really understand that. It says great grace was upon them all. So we know it can happen where there's a move of grace and then there's a time where God just says, great grace, gonna increase the grace. That word grace, I like this. I looked that up. I knew you'd want me to. The word there is the word megas. Y'all ever been to a restaurant that had a mega, mega bar? What does mega bar mean? It means grande. It means big. Well, guess what? This word in the Greek, megas, means, um, it means exceedingly great. It means large or high or mighty or strong. So it wasn't not just God's grace, which is not weak or not little or not insignificant. God's grace will get you there, but it was great grace. There was great power and great grace. Well, we see it happening in this we know the book of Acts is still being written, isn't it? We know that if it happened over here in chapter, chapter wherever we were, chapter, chapter 4. Yeah, we were in chapter 4. We know if it happened in chapter 4, it could happen over here in chapter 35 or 38 or 52, wherever we are right now. Amen? This book was written on paper, but the book of Acts is still being written in heaven, isn't it? Hallelujah. So there's great grace on the church right now. There's a great grace. There's a great grace. There's a great favor on the church right now. But did you know that in the, in the 40s there was people in America, people in this United States that did not even know, did not even acknowledge the healing revival that ran through this land for over 11 years? Didn't even know, just like, oh, whatever. 
You know, yeah, we heard something about it, but didn't pay any attention to it, didn't investigate it, didn't... And people died. People, Christians died in hospitals. People died. On, they had a deathbed experience at an early age from terrible diseases with oral and all those men taking this revival for healing that people were just getting healed wholesale. People were dying. Christians were dying in the midst of that great grace. My, my, my. Do you believe that because it happened then that it could happen now, that the favor of the Lord could come into our place, could come into the into this generation, that great favor, not just favor, but grace, God's great favor, exceedingly abundant mega favor could come in and the church could miss it? Can you imagine? It could happen, couldn't it? We, we just know people. We've just experienced people. We're just practically full-grown, and we, we know how people operate. We get into a rut. We crystallize. We, we refuse to change. We, we get into this, this mindset that says that's the way it was, that's the way it is, and that's the way it will be, and, and we crystallize. We just harden and just going to be this way, just, just going to be this way. And so the cloud moves, and we can't move on because we've built our corrals and we've, we've, we've set up a little hot tub in the corner and we've, we've put out some uh, little daffodils over here and the cloud's moving. We don't want to move. We don't want to take up our garden and move with the garden, move with the cloud. And so it could be in a church. Well, we've got some families in here. They, 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 don't, they don't like that doctrine, Pastor. They don't like they, they, they just like the music and they like you preaching and they like our whatevers and, and just keep it easy, keep it simple and we'll just have a great little church. I, I had a man tell me, you know, in our former church, he said, if you'll keep that tongues business out of Sunday morning, we'll build this church. We'll, we'll put something together here. You know, but the Holy Ghost, <laughs> what are you going to do with Him? What are you going to do with him? You know, I, I never claimed to initiate it. I never claimed to say, well, you know, this is a, this is a church growth plan. You know, I, I'm that smart. But the Holy Ghost wanted his way. And we're going to have to move or not move with the Holy Ghost in this dispensation. And no, it won't be comfortable in the sense of, uh, of, of the, the transition. But you know, I found that, that uh, when the new Suburbans came out in 1990. Three or something. I looked at those and I said, that is the ugliest piece of sheet metal. I wouldn't put my foot in that. I wouldn't, I, that is so bad. The next year I thought that was my idea. I thought, that, isn't that a great looking automobile? Isn't that the most wonderful thing you ever saw? In one year, just completely changed. Y'all ever done that? I wouldn't wear those shoes. Got six pairs of them in varying colors now. <laughs> Amen. We, you know how, how funny we are. If we would just understand how we are. Look at ourselves and says, I want to understand you better. Well, the favor of the Lord's coming into our lives. I've, I've got, I want you to turn somewhere else with me to, um, let's go to Psalm 102. Psalm 102. I'm just stirred up and I, I just keep trying to get off of this and go on to something else and, and I just uh, keep coming back to this favor of the Lord. I'll tell you what it is. I, I figured it out this weekend. I figured out what it is. God's not wanting any of you to get left behind. I have found when I would teach sermons, a series where, where you talk about one subject for several weeks, that, that people would tell me on the fourth week, I caught it. I got it. Now, you know, you want to look at them and say, said those things the first three weeks, just kind of, you know, got off on a tangent this morning, but they didn't catch it the first three weeks. Well, you could have shut her down after three weeks and, and they, there would have been a wash in their lives. There would have been no increase in their lives. But because you went that fourth week and, and, and God said it a different way, then it hooked up all the previous three weeks and, it, and it, it, it hooked. And see, God's wanting to hook you into this favor before the end of the year. I don't know what we're going to do next year. I, I, I know we're going to ride this thing as long as the Lord will let us. I, and I believe this is going to be the mode 
till the end of the times, the ten, end of the age, that God's great grace and His favor is going to be what we're going to go through. But uh, I don't know what the Lord's going to build on it, but I know there's going to be increase and He wants you to be in on it. Amen. And I'm going to show you why and how in just a moment. Uh, in Psalm 103, um, 102, excuse me, verse 13, Thou shalt arise. This is David. This is, this is an old covenant man. And have mercy upon Zion. We know in the book of Hebrews that Zion is a, is a word that's, that means the church. Well, the old covenant man didn't know what church was. They had no idea, but God cryptically put it in there for us. He said, for the time to favor her, the time to grace her, yea, the set time is come. See, so there, you can see here there's a timetable that God's not just saying one size fits all, that everything's available in, 19, in 1900 is all that's going to be available, period. It's available there, but we don't have the knowledge or the revelation to access it. We don't have understanding about these things. It's all in the Bible. God doesn't have to add a new chapter to the Bible and say, well, honey, we're going to introduce some new things to the church, so I've just slipped in there and put Mark 17 in and, and Acts 24, 29. No, it's all in there, but we don't have understanding. But as the Lord unfolds and reveals, that unfolds, uncovers, and reveals something else. And we just go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Did you all get this? Yeah, the, whole, the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you could have got it in 1600. You could have got it in 1492. But there wasn't revelation in the earth for that to be a wholesale thing. But once it broke out, well, hey, now it's just a common thing, or it should be. I said it should be. And then he says, then verse 16, When the Lord shall build up Zion, say the church. When the Lord shall build up the church, He shall appear in His glory. Well, praise God. We've got, a, we've got a clue here that God, right before Jesus is going to come in His glory, God's going to build up the church. There's going to be increase in the church. There's going to be a transformation, a flowering, a, a blooming, a, 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 just an increase in every realm. Well, brother, you know they've been saying Jesus is coming back for years and years, and He hadn't come back yet. That's right. But you know, He's closer now than He ever has been. Because He didn't come last year, He's one closer, year closer this year to coming back. Whenever it is. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord's going to build up the church. He's going to build up the church. Well, now I can just tell you, because I've been involved in this. I, I'm in my 15th year of ministry. Well, actually, 16th year of ministry now. Anyway, not, not like Brother Hagen or anything, but, you know, good enough for a young man. And so I, I've tried some things. I've been in a small West Texas town, and I, I've been I've, I've looked at that hook with the bait on there that says church growth programs. And, 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 you know, I looked at my little church and said, you know, it's worth a shot. It's worth a change. And so we got off into stuff that's dumb and ignorant and, 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 and weird, you know. Not, not weird in the sense of, but it just wasn't God. We tried that no tongues on Sunday business. That no, keep the Holy Ghost down on Sunday morning, and you'll get a crowd. Well, you know, we kept him down. We, we shut the door before he could slip in in some senses. And you know, the crowds didn't get in either. Amen. I'm going to go with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Word of God. I'm going to go with the move of God. And, and so here we are. We, we've got this move of God in our lives. We've got to flow with it. We've got to go with it. We've got we to say, Lord, here am I, send me. As for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. You know, that, that means something now. It used to, it just meant you weren't going to be a heathen. It just meant you were going to get born again. And you were going to, you were going to sit in church on Sundays three times a month. And you were going to just kind of act Christian about some things. But that, that's not what that means for you and I anymore. I said it means more to you and I than it ever has. God's calling on you and I. But you know when He calls on you and said, listen, listen I want something you've got, 
He gives you more to give it with. There's an anointing now like there's never been in the body of Christ. I mean, there's just a, there's just a resident anointing right now that's available and accessible. It's just out there. I mean, we've got more now in, in our daydreaming than we used to could pray up and fast up in a week. I don't know if y'all know that, but that's the way it is. I mean, there's just more there just to step up and hit one out of the park than there used to be if you practiced all week. So, but see, this is for a reason. It's not because we've earned it. It's not because we, God finally let go and let us have a little dab. It's because there's a reason for this and we've got to see the big picture. God's on the move and you better get in the move or you're going to get left. You'll get born, you'll stay born again. God's not going to take anything away from you, but you'll lose, you'll lose the blessings that are on top of you. Did I have y'all turn somewhere? Well, let's go to Psalm 105 then. I'm just showing you this in the, in, in the Bible where, where God has not just been the same all the time that He's kind of broke out at times when He wanted to push things forward and when He wanted to take another step in the church, how He, how he, he gave us a, a, a look at, at how he, where He wants to go and He did this with, a, with a, a surge here. It says in verse 37, we're talking about the children of Israel being in bondage for 430 years well, they weren't in bondage all 430, but they were in Egypt 430. And it says, He brought them forth also with silver and gold. Now I want you all to know that there had been a lot of years that they'd been slaves, that they hadn't drawn a dime in wages. They'd worked for Pharaoh, and they'd worked for Pharaoh's son, and they'd worked for Pharaoh's grandson as they became Pharaoh. They worked a number of years, generations, and, and it got bad. There was, the Bible says there was a man called Pharaoh that did not know David, did not jo know Joseph. And so he was hard on them. And so they, they built Pharaoh's temples and they built his stuff and they were slaves. Slaves don't make anything. They don't own themselves. They don't own their babies. They don't own their wife. They don't own, their, they don't own anything. And so there was a lot of back wages accumulating. Now, Psalm 75 says that God is the judge. Not man. Man may say that might is right, but God says he's right. And so all those years were beginning to accumulate. And one day, God said there's going to be a payday. We're going to pay out back wages here. And it says there, He brought them forth with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. It was a move of God. I mean, it had never happened in 430 years. They'd never happened, but one day it happened. And it wasn't just a, a happening unto itself that God wanted to deliver that particular uh, million or two million, whatever it was that He wanted to deliver that particular people. God had a plan, and it involved the Messiah. And He had to get these things worked out so the Messiah could come. So He could get King David birthed, and, and then from His lineage, He could bring forth, out of the tribe of Judah, He could bring forth the Messiah so that you and I could come to 1997 with all this stuff underneath us and behind us. See, we're not in Egypt this morning. We're not, we're not in the 428th year of bondage. We've been delivered back there three or 4,000 years ago, but not only that, the Messiah has come, and not only that, the Holy Ghost has come, and not only that, there's an anointing now, and there's a favor now, and, and we're not just living back here where these boys lived. We're living in a new place, a new realm. Now, it's the same in the sense of God's never changing, but, but God's going somewhere. This He's closing this thing down, and He's not willing that any should perish. Now, y'all, it's not just so you and I drive a new paid-for car and that we can get, our, get diseases off our body and say, well, you know, praise God, we dodged that bullet. It's not just for us. It's for a lost and dying world. Yes. It, it's for the kingdom. God is, is wanting to bless 
men to repentance. His goodness is wanting to draw men in. He's got the power in the sense that he could just, just like, like you did when you were in the seventh grade, you go out to ant bed and just, just mash them. Just mash those ants. Y'all ever mash, you girls ever mashed any ants? You missed something. I, we used to mash them and then go get daddy's gasoline and just burn them, toast them up. Amen. Put caterpillars in their bed, you know, watch that thing die and writhe and scream. Hey, well, this tape's not going anywhere anyway. We'll just... <laughs> That's what we'd like to do, but God's not that way. God wants to extend His goodness to people. And people are harder now than they've ever been. People are more callous now than they've ever been. People are more dependent on the world system. Listen, back in the 1920s, if you didn't believe God for healing, you died. You died. There wasn't any help. There wasn't any medicine. If you got polio, you were, you were going to be polio till you died. And if you got leukemia or if you got something, you, you, you're going to die. But now you don't die. There's some that die, but you know they're working on it, and, and you can get you can get things, and, and now you don't die, you just you just get you just get broke trying to pay your way out of it. But you know, there's there's technology now. And so we're turning from God in wholesale lots because there's technology and there's medicine and there's there's a way, there's always a way. I'm talking to y'all this morning, but it didn't change God and it didn't change his provision for man. Just because there may be a way to get something without God. God didn't change His desire to extend those things to people. And so, He wants to bless the church so we can extend the goodness of God to people. Did you know that? Would that change your comprehension of what God's doing here when you got this confess it to possess it gospel? Well, we are that gospel. But we're not confessing it to possess it for ourselves alone. We're in that covenant that says that I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm not just blessed to be fat and just blessed to be arrogant and just blessed to be spiritual and just blessed to be uh, above you, you heathen and you unbeliever and you, you, you reprobate. No, I'm not blessed. I'm blessed to be a flow through. I'm blessed. God's put his hand on me and I'm allowed him to so that I can channel and funnel and, 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 and flow the blessings of God to the world that doesn't know God and, and have got a bad view of God. Did you know they've got a bad view of God out there? You read your insurance policy and it talks about the, a bad view of God, acts of God. You know, we're, going, we're not going to cover these things that are terrible, that are disastrous, that are life-threatening, that will wipe you out because they're acts of God. Well, it's a lie, but that's out there and that's what's perpetrated and penetrated the, the society we live in. God's good. And so here we are. We're just a lowly church. And I tell you, in our own eyes, the church has not esteemed us as who we are. God sees us different than we've seen ourselves. But He's trying to change that. I said, God wants us to see us like He sees us. Not, not, like, you, not, not like some man would say, but just see, it, just, just see it like God sees it. Who are we in Christ Jesus? We are the church. The Bible calls us a holy nation. We're a nation. The church is a nation. And we are blessed of God. In Malachi it says that all nations will rise up and call you blessed. The nation that's submitted and, and committed to God. God is going to do something through us. And He's beginning to start that. He's beginning to unfold that. He's beginning to break that thing open. But if you sit there and just say, well, you know, I've got my job and my kids and i got, you know, gymnastics practice and we do a little softball in the summer and we always go to the lake. And then in the, if you begin to just keep on with your life as it's always been, you're going to miss the move of God you were created to participate in.
You're going to miss the hour that you were destined to be part of and, and that you were to put your hands in and to move along. You're going to miss the blessing. You'll be just like other generations that did not have it, could not access it, could not enjoy it. You'll be as those and yet live in this generation. I refuse. I will not live in this generation the greatest hour of God's uh, uh, fullness and, and be as my grandparents were that did not have this opportunity. Amen. Amen. Boy, that's good preaching. I just enjoyed the hound out of that myself. Thank you, Jesus. Turn with me to Acts chapter... No, let's skip that one. In Acts chapter 13, though, you remember in verse 50, 36 where it says that David served his generation by the will of God. You know that. Well, see, you and I are called to serve our generation by the will of God. In Ecclesiastes, I want you to turn there if you would. We've got just a few minutes here. Let's get, let's get something here. Ecclesiastes chapter... Who are you? Who are you? Who, who can have this move of favor, of great grace and of great favor? Who can participate? Because I'll tell you honestly, family, I, I don't feel any more worthy this year than I did last year to participate in a reward or in, in, a, uh, in a promotion. In other words, it's not me. I don't really feel like, you know, God, I, I, I've just really kicked over. I've really, and I have in, in the sense of my life, I'm always moving towards God just like you are. But, you know, as far as, far as God to say, man, I've chosen you out. I've picked you out. Michael, you're the one. You just shine like a bright star and I'm fixing to pour it through you. I, I don't have that presence on my life to say, whoo, I rung the bell. Do you all sense that in your natural being? But corporately, corporately as the church, as the blood-bought church, as the, as the body of Christ, there's a sense of what God wants to do. And, and it says here in verse 26, now this is as Old Testament as you get. Solomon wrote this one, and he said, For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight wisdom. See, not money. He gives him wisdom and knowledge and joy. And then the Bible says in Deuteronomy, doesn't it, that the wealth of the wicked... No, excuse me. No, in Deuteronomy it says... Um, he gives you the power to gain wealth. Excuse me. Yeah, that's it. Gives us the power to gain wealth. And Jesus said in, in, uh, in chapter 6 of uh, verse 33, He said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His wisdom, His goodness, His seek His face, and all these things that the heathen desire will be added to you. See, God, God wants you to have His wisdom, and then money will come. He told Solomon that, didn't he? Didn't David tell Solomon? He said, Because you've asked for wisdom... There's going, to be, there's going to be long life and health in your right hand and there's going to be honor and riches in your left hand. He said if you'd ask for long life, if you'd ask for riches, you wouldn't have got either. But since you ask for God's wisdom, He's going to give you all of them. Well, see, that's where God wants us to be. He wants us to be wise in this hour. Quit, put down your plow that's trying to make money and start looking to God and see what He's doing in this hour and what you'll flow in will produce everything that you could have in your, in your own job, business, or with your hands. There's nothing you're pursuing that's, that has to be given up. Listen to me. There's nothing that you could put your natural uh, mind to, your natural life to, that has to be sacrificed if you'll go with God. You'll get all of God plus everything you're working for right now. Now, we're not saying quit your job. We're not saying, you know, we're just going to live by faith and quit our jobs. And We're talking about going after the things of God and God blessing our hands. And he says it there. He says... God giveth to a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner. Now that's the man outside of the church. 
He giveth travail to gather and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. See, there's a separation that's coming. It's already here. There's a separation between the heathen. Right now, it's not been obvious. In 20 years ago, it wasn't obvious. The, the heathen man maybe even had more than the righteous man because we were weird in our doctrine. Before we, get, we understood about God's will for prosperity, we were trying to get rid of stuff. People were saying, well, you know, to be, to be holy, you've got to be poor. Lots of preachers, Brother Snyder, you know, that says, Lord, you keep him humble, we'll keep him poor. And they thought they was helping God. The crusades in the, in the, in the Middle Ages, you know, that, that was a thing that just says, hey, we've we got to take care of these, these people because it's a holy war. Well, that thing is over. Now God wants us to, to be, be on the right side of the fence when He begins to divide. There's a dividing coming right now. God's going to start blessing our hands in a way that He never could before. He never could, not because God couldn't, but because we didn't have, we didn't have the step, we didn't have the, the whatever in, in our life that we could get up and reach this move of God that's in the earth right now. He had to get us here step by step, but now we're here. Now, we're not at the final step, of course. There's things that are yet unfolded, but, but we're, we're moving. And so if you get this thing, if you get this, this bone in your crawl thing that just says, well, I just can't take this prosperity thing, and I don't know about all this favor on the church. Well, you're looking at it from a you perspective. You're looking at it about, well, I just don't want to be rich. I, I just don't want to have all that stuff. I just, you know, that bothers me. Well, it would bother God, too, because He's not thinking along that line. He wants to bless you, like I said, to be a blessing. You can't move it to somebody else until it's first moved into your life. Well, I know a lot of people get messed up by money. Do you all met, ever met anybody that got money and it messed them up? Well, actually what happened was is they were already messed up, but money magnifies everything. If you've got a giving heart, someone puts money in your hand, you become a bigger giver. That's right. It just magnifies. It multiplies what you are already. And if, if you are secretly wanting to go play the races and drink, and, and, and shoot up and all that stuff, but you, you're a broke little, little guy, you don't have any money, and you get money, you're going to go do what was already in your heart to do. So yeah, we can say, I've seen money mess up people, but what you really saw is money magnified what was already in people. I just taught y'all something real powerful right there. So get your heart right. Get it right in here. If you don't have money or if you don't have favor, if you don't have your business, get it right in here. Then when it comes, it'll produce in the suddenlies. It'll happen overnight because it's right in here and money just magnifies what's in here. I'm telling you, if we had $20,000 in this church, do you think that we could do more with $20,000 a month than we could at ten? Well, we might not. We might just all go take us a cruise down the Caribbean and, and just have a, you know, a free-for-all. Or we might go help some folks by putting the gospel in their hand. Ooh, we could. Now, we could mess up, but we could do right. And listen, just because some people are messed up by money doesn't mean that I am. Just because some people can't handle money, can't handle fame, can't handle honor, can't handle responsibility doesn't mean that I can't. And God's not a God that judges all of us by the, by the, the least or by the ones that can't. He takes us individually and says, come up higher, come up here, I'm going to see what you got. Been faithful over a few things, He'll make you ruler and master over much. So here we are. We see the wicked out there working for us. I said, you're seeing the sinner man working for you right now. God's going to move it out of his hands, move it into our hands. You know why? It's because if he'd moved it in your hands when you didn't have this down here right, you would have spent it and it would have been gone. But the sinner man's not spending anything. 
I said the sinner man is hoarding it up, making him an empire to, because the world's so insecure, it's so, so jicky, he's hoarding it up and keeping it all in one place. He's not spending money, is he, Philip? He's not spending that money. He's holding on tight. And there's going to be a transfer because now we got our heart right. Now, now, we, now we're not just wanting to be us wealthy and us rich and us snobby uh, and, and us one, one thing or another. We've got our heart right. God, I want to be a blessing. I want you to bless me so I can be a blessing. Lord, i got my heart right. It'll multiply that thing. I'm already a giver. Lord, it'll multiply my giving if you put money in my hand now as before. It might have it wrecked us. Y'all ever been in a place where money would have wrecked you because your heart wasn't right? You just had enough Jesus in there to, to kind of get you. Well, go with me to Luke chapter... 15. And I'm going to finish up there. I want to talk about who's qualified to operate in this great grace or this great favor. Oh, pastor, I already know that I'm, I'm qualified. I'm supposed to be in that because I'm a child of God. And I know you do. I know that you would agree and say, well, you know, we really don't have to have teaching on that. I already know that. But what you know is really not what you know until you do it. People say they know, but until they do what they say they know, they really don't know it. See, we all know we're supposed to tithe. But the man that really knows it is the one that puts 10% in the plate. That's when the knowing happens. We know we're supposed to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, but you don't really know that until you reach your hand out and find somebody that needs healing and release the power of God. In other words, you got this head thing, but you hadn't got it down in here. And I know you qualify. I know you'd say, Pastor, I'm a child of God. I qualify for anything anybody qualifies because of the blood of Jesus. But you don't really know it until you're operating in it. Well, I want to change it because it doesn't happen for me anymore if I know it in my head or if I don't know it at all. Knowing it in my head will not change my life any more than the man that doesn't know anything. In other words, if you know to tithe, or if you don't know to tithe, if you're not tithing, it doesn't change anything, does it? Woo, I'm getting y'all stirred up here. Are y'all thinking or are you backing up? Well, I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible. I had you turn there so you'd know that it was in the Bible, but this is the prodigal son. And I know you know this story, but I want to make a point with it. So let me read it out of the Message Bible. It'll flow like a, a, a bedtime story. Then he said, There was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. Now you understand in those times that the older son got two-thirds of everything that his father had and the rest was divided between the children. And the older son took, carried on the family name. So the younger son, since it was just two, he was talking about a third of, God, God, of father's possessions. He said, I want my third. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined, and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he'd gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to hurt. How many of y'all know that's how it happens? <laughs> that's how it happens. You, you get out on a limb, and then someone cuts off the limb. And he signed on with the citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. He said... All these farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and, and here I am starving to death. I'm going to back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. I want you to remember that. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. 
he got right up and went home to his father. When he was still a long ways off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. Amen. Father, now we know this, this, is, this is a type of father God, don't we? But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. All this time his older son was out in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. Calling over one of the houseboys, he asked what was going on. He told him, your brother's come home. His father, your father has ordered a feast, barbecued beef. That's in the Bible, y'all. Because he has him home safe and sound, the older brother stalked off and in an angry sulk refused to join in. His father came and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, look... How many years I've stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment of grief. But have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours who has thrown away your money on whores shows up and you all go out with a feast. His father said, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time and everything that is mine is yours. Wasn't it? When they divided, didn't they divide it two ways, didn't they? But this is a wonderful time and we had to celebrate. The, son, the brother of yours was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he's found. Now, there was a time where based on what he had done, this son, this son, this, this blood son began to see himself as less than a servant. Matter of fact, the idea came to him. He came to himself and he proposed to himself, I will go petition my father to be a servant. But the, 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 the insinuation there is, is that dad may not fall for it. He saw himself as less than a servant. You can't have the flow of God in your life if you don't see yourself as a son. He went back and petitioned his father. Father never did get it out of, out of, out of order. Father never did say, yeah, I've been thinking about what you're saying. And, and you know, I think we can work something out. The Bible said he didn't listen to him at all. Father never did get the thing scrambled up based on what son was doing. Y'all know he knew what son was doing. And father knows what you've been doing and hadn't been doing. He knows your thoughts. He knows where you've been. He knows the struggles you've been through and the times you made it and the times you just kind of went off on your own. He knows that. Well, he goes past it. Whether you did and whether you do, he gets past it. Father gets past it. He doesn't consider it. He doesn't think about it at all. But you and I do, and we've got this devil out there that helps us think along those lines. You're not even a, you're not only not a son, you can't even get a servant job. And servants, I read to you last week out of Ezekiel, it's servants don't get what sons do. Now in the Old Testament, everybody was a servant of God. If you were with God, you were a servant. But we've been bought with a price. We've been born again. We're in the family. Say family. See, we're in the family. We, may, we have an attitude, we have a posture of a servant, but we're sons. We're sons. And God's on the move right now. I'm preaching good to y'all. God's on the move right now. He's moving with the church. He's moving with the family. The family's moving together. The family's moving in a concerted, unified, single-file mode, moving together. We said, Jesus, you're the head of the church. 
Not my religion, not my tradition, not my experience, not daddy's ideas. You're the head of this church. You're the head of the universal church. And we're going to listen to you. And when you say time to move on, here we go. And we may not understand the whole big picture, but we don't have to because believers just believe. We're not just, we're not what you call IQ uh, heavy where we have, we're great thinkers. We're believers. When I got born again, I didn't become a, 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 a new, a born again thinker. I became a born again believer. So I'm better at believing than I am at thinking. Are y'all? So I may not understand everything. I may say, God, why are we running? God, why are we laughing in the church? God, what is this thing about you? The pastor lays hands on them and they fall out under power. What is this speaking in tongues? God, what is this thing about prosperity coming into the church and the year of release and getting out of debt? What is that? God, it sounds kind of arrogant to me. See, you're thinking there and you're not that good. Right. <laughs> you're a little light in the thinking part when you, when you, when you get up next to God. God, God's been thinking about this a long time and He's got it all worked out. While you went to work yesterday and while you mowed the grass last month, He was thinking on these things while you wasn't. And so God just wants you to believe. Just to believe. I can do that. Say, I can do that. See, you can believe. And so God wants to flow money and favor and, and things to you and through you. He wants to. It's His plan. It's not a thing that just says, well, let's have, a, let's have a reward time. Let's have a promotion time. You've been good. See, God's not moved by what you do or don't do. He's moved by the blood. The blood, the blood, the blood. He's moved by the blood. Because when you blew it, He never did wink. He never did give up. He never did sigh real big. <sighs> that Tim. Man, what am I going to do? No, He never skipped the beat. It never caused Him to mess up. But when you hit a home run, God just says, well, that's my anointing. That's my word. Somebody just got, got a hold of it and flowed with it. That's me. That's me. That's me. See, it's not us.